Are either one of these any good? Wow, this is a good movie. It's pretty good. Yeah, well, the director from yesterday doesn't think so. It stinks. You sorry? You waste all our film. <laughs> it's so bad. Got several films to talk about in this week's screening room. I don't think any of them are poised to take down Captain Marvel anytime soon, but there's some worth seeing, so let's get at it. We'll start with a new sci-fi thriller set in a Chicago neighborhood nearly a decade after an occupation by an extraterrestrial force. It explores the lives on both sides of the conflict, the collaborators and the dissidents, its captive state. You have a choice to make work for me or wind up like your father we don't have much time before first contact we were fighting amongst ourselves we needed the legislators to show us a better way harmony peace it's a lie they gonna take everything what do you want me to do long as we fight back we got a chance We're facing a full-blown insurgency known as Phoenix. Put your hand up. The networks communicate. They're playing at something big. Major The team goes tonight. You ready? No one gets taken alive. This is Rupert Wyatt, the director who made... He's made several films, but... His best, I think, his high, kind of high watermark was The Rise of the yes. Planet of the Apes, which yeah, that, was a great movie. That whole rebooted trilogy was really good, but his his part of it was really good. And it's interesting because it has some of the same themes that are going on in this movie. Exactly. Uh, th- yeah, that's what it made me think of. Uh, this film is about an America that you barely recognize because people have seemingly just given over authority to a group of, in this case, aliens, who are mining the earth for everything that it's worth and leaving a husk of a shell of it behind. They're using poor people for labor. They're keeping them sort of cornered off for anybody who has money. The only people who get along at all is this this sort of these blind followers who see this new administration mm. almost as godlike. I mean, it's ripped from the headlines. Exactly, you say? exactly. <laughs> the only difference is that these they're aliens. Yeah, um, I think it actually reminded you. I know you mentioned me. It reminded you of. The one uh, Purge, the, the last Purge sequel. A couple, a couple of the Purge films, just not the original, but a couple yeah, of the Purge but films. Yeah, very were, thinly veiled. Right, just metaphors. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, for, and, I, and I would say this one, you know, it doesn't lose its story completely in the analogy of, of the current administration, mm-hmm. but you're not going to miss it. You know, it, right. is a, it is a pretty good story, actually, uh, about resistors. It's clever, the plot twists, the sort of machinations, kind of the way everything works out and the way they look at it. It's clever. Keeps you guessing. Mm-hmm. It is, in, in a way, predictable, but not beat you over the head predictable. I think if there's an issue uh, in that respect, it's that it is such an ensemble piece. There are so many actors who have just very limited screen time. It's a bit hard to kind of attach yourself to a character, to see a character as the lead. Mm-hmm. Gabriel, this young man played by Moonlight's... At, yeah, the middle the middle character, the, you know, the three actors that played the same character in Moonlight, the middle one, Ashton Sanders. Yeah. Very glad to see him because, yeah. you know, everybody in Moonlight was great. Oh, but, so good, uh, yeah. I hadn't really seen him in anything since then, so... Um, I was glad to see him pop up in this, but you're right. Nobody really takes nobody takes that 
that point of view that maybe the the audience can identify with. Not exactly. He's his is the closest. But but even so, there are so many characters, there are so many actors, there's so much going on that it's it, it's it kind of keeps you kind of at an arm's length. For that reason, you don't really have a clear cut point of view character. Uh, John Goodman plays sort of uh, Gabriel's foil, mm-hmm. right? The lawman who just really wants him to just comply. Um, and he's always great. And he's very, very good in this movie. Yeah, he is always great. And he probably has maybe the most screen time of anyone. It's funny because I think that you're right. I think he does, which is a, which is an odd choice because he is this ostensibly the villain um, in the film. But he's just so, he's just got such a melancholy, resigned air, but he's really mm-hmm. good in it. Um, and, and actually, I think that the same thing can be said for the whole cast. Very few of these actors are on screen for more than, I would say, a combined two or three minutes. Yeah. And yet, they're memorable. You know, you remember the characters that they create. And, and uh, there's really something to be said for that. Oh, there definitely is. Yeah, that's not, that's not easy to do. So it's a credit to everyone involved to be able to do that. But in this case, I think it has its drawbacks as well. It does. Uh, because, I mean, everything is fine. That's really what it is. The story is decent. It's clever. It's fine. You know, the aliens, the effects, not too bad. Look okay. You know what I mean? I mean, that's really the problem with the movie is that it's fine. Mm -hmm. You know, there's not a lot to complain about, but there's also not that much to get excited about. Yeah, and maybe it's a case of focusing too much on, on the message. I mean, it is nice when... You don't want the message to hit you over the head, right. you know, with a sledgehammer, because mm-hmm. uh, that can certainly happen. But maybe getting too much invested in that mm-hmm. with, and and let, letting the, the the narrative go, the storytelling go, and in this case, holding the movie back from being truly memorable. I think that you're right. I think that the inspiration was maybe split. He had a point he was trying to make and wasn't quite as invested in the entertainment value, perhaps. I mean, I, th- yeah. that might even be too harsh. It's fine. It's an entertaining way to waste a couple of hours. Yeah, and it's certainly constructed well. He's he's a very talented filmmaker. Yes. Just the, uh, didn't quite have the punch that maybe uh, Rise of the Planet of the Apes did, oh, which, yeah, that was not. really well done. And that is Captive State. How about a pair of teenagers this week? Sick teenagers, life-threatening illnesses, meeting in a hospital, and what? Falling in love? What? It's five feet apart. People with cystic fibrosis aren't supposed to get within six feet because we could end up catching each other's bacteria. Don't tell me the one time you're interested in some guy, he's also got CF. I like seeing you like this. Like what? Hopeful. Why did I pack anything nice? I will fight. Oh, because you always pack for a hot hospital romance. I will fight for you. God, you're beautiful brave. Wish I could touch you. Stay away. Six feet at all times. I got it. Catch his infection and you can kiss new lungs goodbye. We're not normal kids. We don't get to take chances like this. This whole time I've been living for my treatments instead of doing my treatments so that I can live and I want to live. Young adult drama, Forbidden Lovers Kept Apart. I guess we can thank uh, Shakespeare for this. <laughs> and it's been, They've been popping up ever since. But the biggest surprise to me about this movie was that it didn't start out as a young adult novel. Right, because it's got, it's got all the trappings. All the earmarks. I think the writers maybe had been reading some young adult novels. And <laughs> Made one... themselves a checklist. Check, <laughs> yeah. check, check. 
and checking them off. But you know what this movie has going for it? It has Haley Lou Richardson. And if you don't know her, you've seen her in, probably seen her in Split. Yep. She was one of the friends. She was also the, the best friend in The Edge of Seventeen. She was so good in a real small movie called Columbus that was just wonderful. Yes, and a small movie last year called Support the Girls, right. the one that was set in kind of a Hooters-type right, restaurant. Right. She was one of the waitresses. Very good. So she she's very good. And it even stands out more in this movie because she's able to deliver some of these really clunky, unrealistic lines of dialogue and make them, you know, halfway believable mm-hmm. just through her sheer conviction. So uh, she's very impressive, and she's paired up with Cole Sprouse, who um, is this, I guess this is his first real lead, but if all the way back to, remember that movie Big Daddy? Right, with Adam, Adam Sandler? Sandler. He was the kid. He's a little boy. That wanted to be called Frankenstein. <laughs> uh, and I guess since then he's done, it was like, a, what, Nickelodeon? Riverdale? Well, he's on Riverdale now, and then that sweet life of Zach and Cody, someone oh. pointed out to me. I've never seen that show, uh-uh, no. but someone pointed out to me that he was in that, and okay. I think it was a that was a Nickelodeon show. Anyway, uh, they're both good. Um, they have good chemistry together, and they play Stella and Will, who are both cystic fibrosis patients, and they're in a hospital participating in this new trial, this new uh, drug trial. And uh, Will has a much darker prognosis than Stella does. But so because of their the ease with which bacteria can be spread and uh, really put them in life-threatening situations. They can never be more... They they have to stay at least six feet apart. Well, the title comes from the fact that they want to break the rules and get a little closer to each other, five feet apart. So after a a, a bit of a rocky start to their relationship, because, you know, he's, yeah, he's dreamy, but he's got a little bit of an attitude that she doesn't (laughs) like, you know. Of course they're going to fall in love. That's what happens here. And It does. You're right. It checks off all the boxes. But there are times when it gets through to some honesty. I mean, it does find ways to organically teach us about the struggles that cystic fibrosis because she has a vlog patients go through. She has a vlog that she that is used. Okay, that's a nice device. You can teach us mm-hmm. what's going on. Mm-hmm. And there are some scenes, a couple of heartfelt scenes where you realize what it's doing to their bodies and mm. this, you know, and it's that's sad. But then as any type of goodwill that that movie has earned about halfway through starts to wear off because the more it's these characters are put in these manufactured situations to just heap the suffering upon them, right. it just starts smelling like, you know what, this cystic fibrosis angle is just used to get the teens to cry. Right. And it really, then it starts to get really stale. And it's unfortunate. Uh, because you can you can know you can probably know where it's going to go, but a lot of movies can say that. So the trick is, how does it get there? Sure. And it gets there with the same old stuff. Of course, you've got the narration, you've got the plaintive music, you've got the gay best friend, you've got the okay. It's usually reading from an essay right, at the end, right, right? right? This is not quite an essay, but it's still you're told, you're dictated to, you're dictated about these really what the messages, what you're supposed to have learned yes, from this and today. These cheap, this cheap enlightenment that these movies uh, dwell on, it's so much easier to dictate it to you than construct a story that makes you realize it for yourself. Right. And that's what resonates so much more. But this is what these movies do, and uh, it does have a, a really good performance by uh, Haley Lou Richardson. <laughs> that's about it that's going for it. In fact, toward the end, it takes a, a couple of there was at least one really contrived moment that made me think this is this is just Nicholas Sparks meets Lars von Trier, right, right, right. You know, which is not a good place to be. <laughs> I don't think, but uh, you know, and it 
it conveniently skirts a lot of health care issues. All right, I get that. You know, you're not going to go into the health care crisis or whatever. You're, you're trying to tell this story. But the, the parts about the cystic fibrosis, as well-meaning as they are, again, lose lose the kind of, uh, you know, meaning that they had as it gets so convoluted. And uh, I was just really rolling my eyes pretty well by the end of it, regardless of, uh, regardless of this good performance. And this is about the only reason to see five feet apart, unless you just like to wallow in the teen angst. And if you do, there's plenty to wallow in. <laughs> we should mention, though, the director, uh, Justin Baldoni. He's, he's done a lot of TV and some other things, but he actually, he's, he's got his heart in the right place here. He does, here he does. Because he has a web series, right, called The Last Days, which follows terminal patients and also uh, benefits a lot of charitable causes. Right. So good on you for that. You know, obviously- and and he's uh, he's got a, a company, Wayfair Productions, and uh, and part of what he does with the product that he creates, his goal is to just to do something important, to yeah. make a better, you know, society, to do something of artistic merit, that- and and that's clearly what he is trying to do yeah, here. Yeah, that's awesome. That's uh, your heart's in the right place, but uh, the script was not. So well, he didn't have any hand in writing the script. So maybe next time he'll, he'll pick a better one. Right. And uh, But keep doing that good work. That's good for you. Got an animated family film also out this week. Wonder Park tells the story of, of an amusement park where the imagination of a wildly creative girl named June comes alive. Whoa. Welcome to the park. Have a nice day. Oh. How is this possible? Hello, my name is Steve. Steve. I know who you are. You know who we are? My mom and I invented this place, and somehow you came to life. We're alive? Ow! What the chuck? Go big or go! What happened here? The darkness happened. It brought an army of chimpanzombies. So cute, but so naughty. It's time to bring the park back to life. Who's with me? We are all with you. Oh, no. He's allergic to volunteering. The first thing you might wonder about Wonder Park is why is it called Wonder Park? Right, because the amusement park at the center of the film, then they mention it, they must mention it 300 times, and of course it's got a big sign over the door. It's called Wonderland. I have no idea why this film is called Wonder Park, but that's just one of many questions this movie leaves you with. Moose outside should have told you. That's right. <laughs> and, you know, on paper, it's a fine idea, right? A little girl, and she has this wild imagination, and in her imagination is this glorious park, and so in reality, she kind of builds it, you know, in small ways, and, and, and it really sort of relies on not just imagination, but science and math and girl power, and, uh, you know, it's got a lot going for it, I guess theoretically, it also looks pretty good. The uh, you know the animation is very sparkly and fun, mm-hmm. and it's got a pretty decent voice cast. You've got Jennifer Gardner, Keenan Thompson, Mila Kunis, John Oliver, Ken Jeong, so a bunch of talented voice actors. Yes, but um, what it doesn't have is a cohesive story, and what it doesn't have apparently is a director. That's right. How weird is that? So if you look at the film on the, on IMDb, you'll see that there is no director listed at all. And I thought, well, that's a mistake. So I looked very closely at the, the, the credits in the movie. There's no director listed. Right, because usually, as you may know, when, when there's some sort of creative difference or whatever, and somebody asks for their name to be taken off, it goes to Alan Smithy. Right. You know, I don't know the last movie to di- be directed by Alan Smithy, but that, that has happened. Yeah. So to have no one 
at all is weird. But then you start looking into it and find that, the, well, there's some bit of um, nastiness going on. Right. Uh, very early in the production, the director who was slated to, to helm the film was, was let go uh, after charges of sexual misconduct were misconduct were levied against him. And then another director, animation director named David Feast, was supposed to have taken over. I, I found a Google article that claimed he was taking over. <laughs> I saw no evidence of it anyplace else. Even his IMDb page doesn't list this in his credits. If you, I mean, it doesn't matter where you look. It, is, it doesn't ever tell you who directed the movie. And do you know what this movie feel like? It feels like a film with no director. <laughs> exactly, yeah. It goes off and it's completely unmoored is what it is. I mean, it's got it's got little bits and pieces of entertaining stuff. There's this long bus ride to math camp. Where all of the kids sing a pretty catchy song about pie, the number, <laughs> yeah. right? Oh, okay. It has nothing whatsoever to do with anything, and it goes on for about ten minutes. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, you know, and then by the time the film puts you at the park, right, in her imagination, at the park, which is where you know most of the action and certainly the climax, and you know. You're 35 minutes into an under 90 minute film, so nobody figured out how to do just. Construct a traditional three-act story so children know what they're doing. But by the time they introduce, you know, the monkey and the bear, and the, you don't even know who they are. Yeah, You're not connected with them because you're connected with the neighborhood kids that you've spent the last 35 minutes with, and they're not going to show up again. I mean, it's it's wild how badly directed yeah. this film is. <laughs> it's, it's clear that they just wanted to get it done, and it doesn't have any sort of cohesive vision that no. a, a, one, a one director, uh, you know, might bring it. And also, like you've mentioned, a lot of animated movies involving children deal with grief yeah. and how to deal with grief. And the way this movie kind of uh, advises you to deal with grief is a little weird. It is. It, in, in a lot of ways, it feels like there are two different films... Uh, that are being slapped together. And one is about a little girl who uses math and science to kind of, you know, make her day better. And then the other is about this imaginary amusement park that is going to hell because of this dark cloud that looms over it. And the dark cloud, of course, is this girl's grief. But what winds up happening is the film basically tells you to use math and science to get through your grief. What? What? And then in the end, I mean, that's a cheat in itself, right? It just is. Um, and then in the end, the cheat is bigger. So it's just, I mean, it, it's in no way. there. It's just a completely unsatisfying <laughs> yeah, cinematic just, event. It's a mess and really feels like what it is, a movie with, with no director and no real mm -hmm. real vision. And it's probably not going to be around very long. I would not and that think is so. Wonder Park. Hey, kids, Gaspar Noe is back. Uh, and you may know what that means. His new movie features French dancers gathering in a remote, empty school building to rehearse on a wintry night. The all-night celebration morphs into a hallucinogenic nightmare. It's called Climax. If you couldn't dance, what would you do? Mmm... Suicide? Well, if you know anything about Gaspar Noe, he is a 
provocateur. He is indeed. Let's put it that way. He has done movies such as Irreversible. Yeah. He did his last movie was the uh, 3D porn. Porn called Love. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's exactly, and don't forget exactly that what it was. Laugh Riot Enter the Void. Enter the Void, the Laugh Riot. He yeah, he uh he is quite the the filmmaker who likes to batter your senses. He does. And uh, it's this this certainly does it uh, in a slightly different ways though and, and much more of a concise vision. This one only runs about an hour and a half, mm-hmm. 97 minutes. Mm-hmm. So right there that surprised me mm-hmm. when I looked at the uh, running time. I thought oh it's going to be another two and a half hour. But no, um, and it starts out just a, a straight-on dance party, a straight-on ode to the joy of dance. Mm-hmm. You know, we we start to we learn about uh, a little bit about these dancers that are trying out for this French company. Mm-hmm. We see little bits of their audition tapes, like mm-hmm. why they want to be in the in the company. Then it jumps ahead to what appears to be their final rehearsal right. before the show with just these great dances yep. and just you know, it, again, if you know anything about Noe, his camera, he has these stock. Moves that he likes to do. He loves overhead shots. Yeah. He loves long takes. Yeah. He loves stationary cameras, uh, camera shots. But then that also he he times when the uh, the, the camera yeah. is very fluid and yeah, serpentine. Yeah, yeah. And the way he films some of these dancing was just fantastic. Well, I, right, and and dance really lends itself to yeah. exactly the kind of camera work that he does. And so it does. I mean, it looks great. Yeah. Um. And the the room itself is sort of fascinating. It's it's you know. Decrepit and empty, but weirdly colored, and um, and and of course, you know the dancers, their look and their style. I mean, they you know without a great deal of exposition, they establish their own characters pretty quickly. Yeah, they do. And one of the main lead dancers, I guess, is played by Sophia Botella. Mm-hmm. Uh, the rest of the the cast, you probably don't know. A lot no. of them are newcomers, right. but they're great dancers, obviously. Mm-hmm. And as we see these dances, uh, you, then it then it pairs off with some of the different dance company members talking to each other, and a lot of it is just very graphic sexual yeah, talk, yeah. a lot of it. And mm-hmm. so you start to get a little bit, it sharpens the character edges a little bit, but it, it, establishes, this, it establishes this interpersonal relationships between these uh, troop members that is about to be turned on its head. Right. because. All of a sudden, the joy of dance becomes a nightmare, and the it it it, it morphs into instead of beautiful images, these these dances become and the dancers become like monstrosities. Yeah, yeah. And it's throbbing music oh, yeah. and and visuals, and it just there's such a relentlessness to it. Yes, and it's that and it is it's that pulsing music that. No matter where you go in the school, you can't escape it. You cannot get away from it. And it really sets a tone of just this percussive nightmare. Yeah, again, he just batters your senses. And think of of Enter the Void, except toned down a little bit with a lot with a lot more dancing. Yeah, and, a uh, lot so more you dancing. Something is permeating all the, the members of this dance troupe, and who is to blame? And that becomes a little bit of a mystery about what's going on, why is it going on, but all of a sudden there's mob rule, mm-hmm. there's a suspicion mm-hmm. of every member, there's paranoia, there's wanton violence and illicit sex, mm-hmm. and trying to, get, like you said, trying to go off and find a room to get away from it, and you can't. Mm-hmm. It's everywhere, mm-hmm. like a virus. Mm-hmm. As this people just, are on fire. People I killed somebody are on with a fire. trident. No, I didn't kill anybody with a trident, but there are people on people fire. People are on yeah, fire. Yeah, yeah. So, and, it, <laughs> and and at the same time, he makes it clear because you know he he loves to if you. Again, I've seen his films. You know he loves to throw text on the screen, and he he breaks this down into a rumination on the 
on on birth, life, and death. Yeah, basically, mm-hmm. um, because he's thinking of the big themes. That's right. Well, I mean, there's blood. Yeah, there's bloodshed. There's some carnage, and there's, and there's just again, just a sometimes soul crushing pressure yeah. on everything about you as you're watching this movie and it's one where when it's over sort of like maybe a, a night out dancing you kind of stumble out into the daylight <laughs> like somebody just beat me up and you know I need to go lie down and that sounds negative but I really enjoyed it <laughs> because he's a filmmaker I am constantly fascinated yeah, by Yeah you are you really are He is a boundary pusher now for me sometimes much like Lars von Trier sometimes he's a boundary pusher yes, and he sometimes is. It just goes too far. Yeah. Like you know, Lars von Trier and D- D- Dancer in the Dark. No, I just couldn't. I couldn't yeah, take that. I'm all about Dancer in the Dark, but I do think but, that well, I think that Lars von Trier is at a point in his career where he's becoming too self-reflexive and too self-conscious of what he's doing. Uh, Gaspar Noe is not there yet. You know, no, um, he certainly brings, especially in love. He 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 brought himself into it, but he he is he's self-reflective, but not to that extent. No. You're right. Uh, but still, what I'm saying is there are times when I think it's just too far. Like, Enter the Void, mm-hmm. that was just too much. Mm-hmm. Too much. It was it was su- such such a beatdown, mm-hmm. and needlessly so. Uh, this one I don't think is. It's it's much no, more, it, as, as I mentioned, it's a much more streamlined vision. It's right in line with what he does. Right, but the other thing is that the, the approach... Um, suits the subject matter so perfectly, and it's just it's it's interesting because because in a way it seems like maybe it's simply like a depiction of what really happened, and in another way it's a perfect content for his style. Yeah, and it, it certainly is an experience. And uh, if you if you're ready for it, if you know what you're in for, uh, we would recommend Climax. A very good foreign film is next. It's set during the marijuana bonanza, a violent decade that saw the origins of drug trafficking in Colombia. It's called Birds of Passage. This is a gorgeous film uh, and it's co-directed one of the one of the directors Ciro, Ciro Guerra made Embrace the Serpent a couple years ago uh, which was Oscar nominated and and tread some familiar ground and then it's, it's co-director this time is Christine Christina Gallego who was a producer on Embrace of the Serpent right. so they obviously work together and work together quite well yeah and what they do with this film uh, um, is they tell basically the sort of rise and fall of a cartel kingpin, right? Which we've seen. Sure, we've seen in in Spanish, in English, in Japanese. I mean, this is a this is a very very common tale. Mm-hmm. But what makes this one different and makes it a little bit like Embrace the Serpent is that is that the story of this this one man's kind of rise and fall and his family around him uh, is is situated in and also reflects the the rise and fall or the sort of decay and rot of a very specific Colombian culture. Rapayet is the name of the character, and he basically, he wants to make enough money to pay the dowry for the bride that he is desperate to have. And she is part of this very, very traditional tribal culture. And he kind of straddles that. He's from that culture, but that's not where he was raised. So he's he understands it, but he's not 100% in. To raise the money, he starts selling weed and then that becomes his business and then that he could he can marry this woman but the family starts to benefit from the weed business and the next thing you know 
greed is not only, uh, of course, the the sort of behind the scenes of of his problem, but it completely obliterates this culture that that he comes from. It's beautifully told. Uh, it's gorgeously filmed and really very involving. Um, it's a it's just an amazing film. So it's in limited release, but we definitely recommend Birds of Passage. And we finish up with another animated movie, this one in limited release as well. Four expert thieves attempt to steal every famous artwork that is haunting their mutual psychotherapist. A detective attempts to find out who the collector is. It's called Reuben Brandt, Collector. My nightmares are getting stronger and stronger. Characters from famous paintings continue to attack me. Your compulsion to steal comes from a deeper need. You are missing something in your life. I want you to paint it. How can I paint it if I don't know what it is? Trust in the brush. I need all 13 paintings that are tormenting me. Possess your problems to conquer them. Exactly. This is the feature debut for a Hungarian filmmaker, Milorad Kristic. Hope I pronounced that right. And it's a fun caper heist. A heist film. It's a yeah. heist film and it's fun and it's got a wry wit about it but the reason the biggest reason to see this and what makes it so enjoyable is the animation. And yeah. that that's appropriate, right? A, a film about art, you certainly have yeah. to look great. Yeah, and it's 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 got that rich layered type of animation, every little detail. It invites you to study it as much as possible. Right. You want to just soak in every frame. It's got there's a there's a wonderful sequence where a thief is like scaling up a wall and the shadow that follows him around <laughs> is like a little character. And then there's another one where a, a van is trying to stay on the road through this real bumpy, curvy terrain. And, and the animation goes inside the van as things are bumping around. It's just it's just so delightful. Every frame of this movie is delightful. And the, the story is pretty highbrow. I mean, <laughs> it, it certainly helps to know a little bit about art and some famous artists and some famous works from everything from uh, Manet to uh, Hopper and more. You're going to see some things you recognize. And they're little subliminal uh, odes to psychotherapy. Right. And it's very intelligent. It's very uh, highbrow that, again, benefits, kind of as you said there, the high art setting right. of this movie. But it's just a hoot. It's not very long. It looks fantastic. And it's got that, it's got that real nice, clever wit about it in a heist movie, and heist movies are just fun. They are. So uh, if it's in your area and you like animation, do not miss Ruben Brandt Collector. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Got three in the lobby this week. The first one, a weird little movie we saw a few weeks ago called Piercing. Yeah, Nicholas Pesci's follow-up to his absolutely magnificent eyes of my mother. Oh. And it's it's really quite different, but what you what you can get from his his kind of sophomore effort is that he definitely is a stylish director. Uh, and and this one really it's it's a it's a story of thwarted satisfaction. That's what's happening at the heart of the film and that's what the film itself is set up to do. So yeah, it's really and interesting and it and it relies on two very very interesting performances. It's Christopher Abbott on one side and Mia Wasikowska on the other and uh, they power shifts and gender <laughs> politics and unexpected surprises and some piercing. Yeah. Uh, go on and it'll, it'll keep you guessing and it's much it's so much of a you know a character 
study. I could see it being a play, absolutely, really. Absolutely, absolutely. Because it's pretty much of a two two character arc, mm-hmm. uh, and how power shifts and what the uh, motives are and the goals are. And uh, yeah, it's it's very intriguing. But definitely different than The Eyes of My Mother. Yes. If you haven't seen The Eyes of My Mother and you like horror films, Do it. please look it up. But uh, this one is, yeah, this one is something that you might think about yeah. for a little while yeah. after you've seen it. And it might surprise you. It's piercing. Also, Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald out on home video this week. No. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I did not, I was not thrilled by Fantastic Beasts. I wasn't either. Them. I thought it looked cool, but it was just yeah. a bloated, boring mess. And this one is less boring. Uh, there's an actual villain and it's leading to an actual, you know, event. Uh, but on the whole, it still just feels bloated and needless to yeah, me. Yeah, I, I agree. I'm not uh, certainly not a fan of this series, no. this franchise, anywhere close to Harry Potter. Also, Mortal Engines is out on video. No. No. That's a big old fat no. So, and this is another one. I mean, you've just got, it's your second in that sort of YA sci-fi fantasy bloated mess. Uh, and this one... Wait, I, does somebody have a life-threatening illness? <laughs> no, no, no. That's the problem right there. <laughs> You know, this one is a little more steampunk than the other one, which is, I suppose, a, a plus. There's just so much and so little happening at the same time. Mm-hmm. Well, a lot happening next week. We're looking forward to this one. Us. If you haven't heard about it, Jordan Peele's follow-up to Get Out, and we could not be more excited. Could not be more excited. Yeah. We're like three feet off the floor right now. <laughs> looking forward to talking about that one next week. And also in smaller release, Where'd You Go, Bernadette? This is Kate Blanchett. Yeah. Who's always fantastic. Always. So definitely we'll check that one out as well. In the meantime, let us know what you thought about anything uh, this week, or if you're still digging Captain Marvel, or if you're also excited about us. We love it all. You can find us on Twitter at Mad Wolf, M A D D W O L F. Also, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram. We're Mad Wolf Columbus. And of course, all your written reviews, all our written reviews, and uh, our other podcast, Horror Podcast Fright Club, can all be found on our main website, which is madwolf.com. So get in touch. We hope you will. And wherever you happen to be listening to this podcast, we hope that you will subscribe, rate, and review. All right. Talk to you next week. She is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And this is the Screening Room Podcast. See ya. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. Bye.